Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this podcast about independent music of the punk, hardcore, metal, emo, indie rock, whatever you want to call it, as long as it's of the DIY variety. We are here with a special guest. I mean, because, you know, everyone is special, but people that come on this podcast are even more special to me, and I hope they're special to you. Brett Boland, who is the vocalist from and guitar player, I make sure I could have mentioned that he plays guitar because he is a shredder. He plays in a band called Astronoid, and his name is Brett Boland. I love this band so much. They're coming out with a new record called Radiant Bloom that is out June 3rd. So please pay attention to that. They've released a few signals. Signals? Singles. (laughs) And uh, I will play, obviously, a little bit of that as we go into the interview. But uh, Astronoid, great band. Like, just has a lot of, so many things going on. Like, progressive metal, you know, Muse, um, Mew, like so many things put into a band. And I fell in love with them many years ago. I had Casey Allward, who is the guitarist of the band on the show. I can't even remember when, but it was probably forever ago. And um, yeah, I just love what they do. And once the opportunity came to speak to Brett specifically, I was like, let's do this. Let's learn more about the the man behind Astronaut, as it were. You can do me a favor. Please spread the word of this podcast. That is the best way to help support the show because I do get emails from you kind people, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com, that ask, you know, hey, can I donate something? And it's like, no, 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 don't, don't even worry about that. Just just tell your friends. Tell your family, maybe if your family's into music. But um, yeah, I just would appreciate you spreading that word. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whether it's a written word or, you know, a five-star review, whatever you're feeling on that particular platform, Spotify, you can do the same thing, except no written reviews, just stars. All of those things I greatly appreciate. And ultimately, we are in a world that 
gun violence is such a huge problem. And I encourage you to not only have an opinion about it, but then draw a hard line in the sand, whether you support or are against gun control. Now, to be abundantly clear, (laughs) I do not condone any violence in any capacity and the ownership of guns and all of that. I mean, it's just, it's a a soul crushing thing to watch time and time again of all of the mass shootings and all of the things that uh, happen upon our particular country, because let's be honest, it does not happen in very many other countries. Um, Yes, of course, there's, there's outbursts of violence here, there, but uh, when you're talking about schools getting shot up. It just, uh, it breaks my heart and it is lying heavy on me right now because I literally just read the news about, you know, a couple hours ago in regards to the school shooting in Texas. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't stand it. It's awful. So you need to have an opinion. You need to vote for politicians that, uh, actually stick by their words. And, uh, that's obviously a difficult thing to uh, sometimes come by, but, um, yeah, make your opinion known and, uh, let's see if we can't obviously correct this problem sooner rather than later. No one needs to die at the senseless violence that exists in these mass shootings. It's, it's awful. So my, uh, my condolences to everybody who's experiencing pain around this and also is experiencing just the, the heart wrenching, um, news, you know, even from a person who is not connected to this in any way, shape or form. So anyways, I'll get off my soapbox, but let's talk to Brett from Masternoid. Like I said, they have a new record coming out June 3rd, stream all of their stuff everywhere possible. So here we go. Here is Brett. And uh, like we were men- or like I was mentioning uh, prior to recording, that I met Casey, uh, who is your bandmate, and uh, plays in Vatnet Viscar. Viscar, right? Am I butchering that? Yeah. No. No. Well, no. Okay. No, you're not butchering. <laughs> <laughs> good. 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 Um, and uh, he 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 just like casually because I, I I I'm totally probably misremembering the years, but, uh, the, it was probably around like 2015, 2016. And then he sent me asteroid and I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is a very well thought out thing. Like it just felt so lived in, even though it was, you know, some of your earlier stuff. And, uh, and then shortly after that, um, I know your, uh, your manager, or I don't know if you're still working with him, but, uh, Wayne Pagini, I'm very good friends with. And, um, yeah, I just, it it was one of those things that it felt so confident for being a quote unquote slash new young band. And I'm sure for you at this juncture in the band's career to like, look back on this thing and be like, wow, this is like 10 years old. Um, I realize I'm like throwing a lot at you, but do you kind of like look at the overarching um, kind of musical output and like see the progression where you like look back on the earlier recordings that are just like, oh man, that's like, you know, kid stuff to what we were doing now. Or how does that kind of sit in your head? I'm, I was actually listening to it 
today I've been, I, my daughter, so we had, I had a daughter, um, last year. Um, Congrats. And thank you. Yeah. And I'm just playing her asteroid, you know? So I was, I put on the new single and I let Spotify just kind of go and it was going through like resin and all these old songs. And it just seems like, uh, a time and a place thing. And like, I'm, it, it is what it is. And, um, it, it wouldn't have happened any other way. Like, I don't, really see it i see ourselves like getting more focused as we go but um it's it's just sort of like growth and um you know i don't look back on um a lot of things and i'm like oh i wish i didn't do that or i wish we didn't do that song it's just like it was perfect for what we were doing at that time and uh it's cool going back and listening to some of this stuff because a lot of it's cool um especially some of the stuff on air we were just we were flying by the seat of our pants, like we were writing and recording the album at the same time. It was bonkers. It was a nightmare. And right. um so just listening to how it came out and just knowing the story in my head of like how that song came together is is fun to think about and how more how much more focused it's become and how much easier it's become since, you know, in, in certain ways. It's more difficult in others. But you know, it's it's fun looking back and listening to it. Yeah, that's well, it's cool. I and I, the the reason I find it, I guess, fun to look at it through that uh, prism is you know usually when you're putting out, and I know Asteroid isn't your first band, but like when you're putting out your first material, it's totally you know the weight of expectation is not on anything. You're just like whatever, like here it is. Like I'm yes, of course, I'm putting thought and some effort or whatever, but it usually doesn't feel. And I know this sounds so esoteric, but like lived in, you know, or, or like yeah. confident. And I, I think that's what initially gravitated me towards that. Your music is like it, it felt lived in and it, you know, it doesn't even have to be from like maybe a technical perspective, but it just felt there in a positive way. Like, does that? Yeah, I guess like the idea. Underst- yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, like I kind of understood what I was doing, even though I had no idea. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, I what's so funny about the band is it's just like, um, I, I don't know if I'm a confident person. Like I, I, in a, in ways I am like, I, but, um, in music, I, I feel like I'm a confident person. Like if I'm putting something out there, like I'm going to put my, my everything into it. And when we were working on that asteroid stuff, like the, or no, like the air stuff, rather, it was just like, um, this is what we're doing. And like, I, I remember, screaming on stargazer like just in the background i was like fuck this i'm never doing this again and then we decided or i decided rather i was like i'm never screaming again and we're never mm-hmm. having screaming in our music because i would do the screaming for the song asteroid live when nick wasn't there to to do it from Vatnet, and i hated it you know i was like i'm never screaming again i hate doing right. this <laughs> and it's done and like it was the most like black and white thing basically the only black and white thing in the band that we decided like we're not doing this and then we just embraced that energy and i guess um beauty of of whatever we were doing and just and just took it like my love of mew and my love of like i guess black metal and stuff and um Mm -hmm. some shoegaze but like in the early the early um, astronaut stuff like Stargazer and the November EP, like I didn't know shoegaze. Like I didn't 
listen to it. I didn't know any band. Someone actually was like, you sound like my bloody Valentine. And I was like, who the hell is that? Right. So it was like, it was a real profound moment to me of being like, there's music like this. Cause I just heard Alcest and he was ripping off slow dive in my bloody Valentine. So I got it secondhand, you know, and then totally. finding those early bands, I was just like, holy shit. So we did the, well, yeah, we did the only shallow cover. So that was the whole like gateway into all this. And then we started working on air and then it sort of came together. Um, right. Well, just know, like from, yeah, <laughs> just that, that idea, not to interrupt your train of thought, but like I, the, the statement that leaps out at me is just, you don't know what you don't know. No, <laughs> like that, yeah, that was exactly it. Where it's like, you are, everybody is standing on the shoulders of giants, but you don't know where that stuff is coming from. If you are only looking at it through that particular prism, which like you said, you know, like, yeah, listen to Alcius, you're just like, oh my gosh, like they're so incredible. And of course you can listen to them and hear nods once they, you know, you read an interview or whatever. But yeah, if you don't know, you're just kind of being like, oh, I just want to like kind of rip this off. Yeah, I was ripping him off. <laughs> and, totally. And like Yesu and Agalok and all that stuff. And like there's hints of Emperor and um, Izan's stuff in there too. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't know. It was all black metal stuff I was ripping from. And then all the vocal stuff was mute. Like, and I, I right. think that's pretty obvious. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so that was sort of like, I, I don't know. I don't know why it makes sense to me, but it did. And it still does. And at the same time, it makes no sense at all. Picking yep. dream pop and mixing it with this black metal stuff. And I don't know what it is now. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Idea. Now it's just the, yeah, the evolution through the, yeah. you know, the meat grinder. Now, yeah, it's it's my brain's meat grinder, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. And and we'll we'll pick on some of that a little bit later. But um, focusing on you as a person, the were you actually born and raised in the Massachusetts area, or did you come up somewhere else? Yeah, it was Massachusetts. It's like uh the North Shore area, middle. Got uh, it. What is it? Merrimack Valley. Okay, got it. Yeah, and that Merrimack Valley was um yeah, I mean, is a very fertile ground. I mean, you know, whatever cave in converge all of that boston g- generalized massachusetts hardcore has definitely come up yeah we had everybody on earth uh what is shadows fall like you said yep. cave in converge like uh, the metal community when i was growing up was enormous and the worcester thing was going on too with barrier dead and acacia strain and like all that shit yeah for sure and i, I it, it was always interesting to ca- i mean living on the west coast that i uh that i do it was always interesting to see the bands kind of percolate from these specific areas obviously this is kind of like pre-internet and the regionalization was more important but you were able to see these scenes pop up and be like why is this all happening in this area it's like well it's just because everybody is kind of playing shows with each other and then just like ripping each other off in a good way exactly exactly yeah and so as you were kind of growing up what was your family structure like do you have brothers and sisters mom and dad in the house what did that look like yeah, so it was my mom and dad and sister. She's uh, three years younger than me. And um, it was like, you know, we lived in a middle-class area um, in Groveland. And I went to school with Casey. Like, we've known each other since fourth grade. Um, so, And we've been friends since sixth. We, we hated each other for a few years. But, you know, we're stupid kids. 
Right. He was, well, way, like, he was, was really the cool. Oh, okay. he was just really cool. Like, he okay. was doing, like, backflips with all the girls, doing jump rope, and I was just, like, in band, you know? <laughs> totally. And then yeah, I had, we had a mutual friend, and, yeah, he, made, he forced us to hang out. And then we did a battle of, like, we did this, like, talent show-y thing um, where, like, they, I played drums, and Casey and the other kid brendan he um they like what it was like lip-synced guitar to it i don't know it was stupid but anyways that's when we became friends dude that's incredible i i always <laughs> love that idea where people that you know play music or are interested in different things but travel in different lanes and then yeah. get thrown together by circumstance and it's that's just exactly like exactly well, what happened our love <laughs> of music um uh, kind of converged us and then we made our first band with the three of us um and then brendan was actually he was the original drummer in astronaut too but it just didn't work out um, got it got it he's a great dude but you know things happen they do they do what uh, so what kind of kid did you find yourself being and gravitating towards i know like you were saying that you were you know in band and stuff like that did you care about school like you know were you an indoor kid what was the vibe i was absolutely an indoor kid um, I loved music and video games and basically music like ruled my life. I did play sports. I played hockey and I played baseball and, but it was mainly hockey. I played hockey until, um, junior year of high school. Okay. And then I was forced to make a choice. Um, I'll go back to that in a minute, please. But, um, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess I could go to that now. <laughs> you were sure. Let's transition, right? Yeah. Exactly. So hockey. Why I, did you give up? Just, <laughs> yeah, why did you give up hockey? Yeah, so, yeah. I was always in the music. I would bring, my parents would yell at me because I would get like a whole uh, pile of CDs together for like going to the doctor like five minutes down the street. You know, I needed every CD with okay. at that time because I didn't know what I was going, I wanted to listen to. Uh, like in the back of the van and i had you know I, I played drums drums is my first instrument and i studied that through college and then i taught myself around the same time um to play guitar so uh like fourth grade i started drums and then sixth grade i started to teach myself how to play guitar and i've never been like formally trained in guitar but a lot of stuff that I learned, I took from the drum, like years of drum lessons and um, musical theory crap I took in um, college. Not crap, it's useful, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so totally. in when I got up to that like high school level, I started getting, so I was playing hockey and I was playing uh, in percussion ensemble and jazz combo and all this other stuff. And I had to be in band to be in those other two. I hated mm. band, hated it. I had, I hated marching band i hated the orchestral stuff um i just wanted to play the jazz stuff and i wanted to do percussion ensemble um so i was being punished by by um like getting to hockey practice late after coming from percussion ensemble so i would be doing like laps for being late from coming from another school activity so my dad approached me and he's, he plays hockey. He played hockey his whole life. And he, like, sports are his, like, thing. He's always loved music, and he's always surrounded me in music, and a lot of my tastes come from him. But 
like he loves playing goalie in hockey. So, and he approached me with this choice of like, you need to choose music or hockey. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. they're both suffering right now and you need to focus on one of them. And, you know, this is a formative time. I'm still a little moron, but it's, you know, it's junior year of high school, you know? Um, Right. So yeah, I chose music and then I focused on music and then I, that was it. It was like, since then my focus in life has been my craft of music and you know, they allowed me to go to UMass Lowell and I went to the sound recording program there and I studied, you have to perform, you have to um, play an instrument to go there as well as do all your um, mathematics and all that stuff. So um, I just did that through college and I'm still doing it now. Right. Right. I I mean, it is, I appreciate the, you know, unraveling of the story like that, because I do think that people really get to that point where it's like, you're, whether it's like choosing between, you know, this sport and, you know, this extracurricular activity, like it, it, it does get to that point where you have to make that decision and not like you are, that decision will be reverberated throughout your life in regards well, who to like, knew? Too, right, you know? right, like, totally. Maybe my, like my dad must have had the foresight because I was too stupid to know at that time you know i was like drums you know but it was hard it was tough for me because i didn't want to like let my dad down you Mm -hmm. know so like i had to think about it because he's he's like so into sports and hockey and all this stuff and like i didn't want to be like i don't want to do this anymore you know right it was a tough decision but i'm glad i did it and i'm glad he didn't you know pressure me into doing something i didn't want to do you know Sure. I am so thrilled to tell you about rockabilly.com. That is because they are the best purveyors of merchandise on the internet that you could possibly wrap your head around. What makes them great? Well, first of all, it's all officially licensed stuff. So that means you get high quality stuff. Bands get paid for you purchasing that and you are supporting an independent business. This is all a virtuous cycle that happens and I could not be more grateful to that company for being a small cog in this. Use this code, 100 words or less, that gets you 10% off of your entire order. So please check it out. There's so many items, half a million items. You cannot possibly find something there that they don't have. Maybe that's a challenge, you know? Like, go ahead, try to find something. And then you'll find it and you'll be like, damn, you were right, Ray. (laughs) But all hyperbole aside, it is a great business, independently owned. They support the band's of all shapes and sizes. And I don't care what genre of music you like, there will be something that you can find and purchase and enjoy. So again, 100 words or less promo code will give you 10% off. And then plus it helps them know that marketing works. So thank you very much. Rockabilia. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. 
And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. What was the, uh, I guess, the family trade, as it were? You know, what, what did your mom and dad do for uh, work? And was there any expectation of you kind of entering those fields? Oh, my dad, he's an electrician. Um, and my mom, she does, um, it's a, it's accounting. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly. No, no uh, pressure. <laughs> yeah, it's something to do with that. I could think of it, but it's not, it's not important. Sure, but, um, sure. My dad, he did he went to school to be a gym teacher and then he couldn't find work. And then he went into being an electrician to like provide for us and, you know, make money because it was really tough finding sure. a job in that area as a uh, gym teacher. But you know, like sport, like there's another, like it's pointing sports was his thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he chose to become an electrician which was like way easier to make money and even though the work sucks you know um but that's what yeah that's what he did got it and was there any uh like you know was he showing you how to rewire stuff and was there ever any interest there from that i worked with him for like 15 years so uh, so he he started bringing me to work with him when um i was like five i would sure i would put uh like the little plates and he'd give me like, he'd buy me a CD on the way home. Nice. So that, that, you know, so that's how I got my music is I worked, I always worked with him. I worked with him my whole life and he, he paid me pretty well too. Like he paid me because I was, I really wanted to learn. I really liked it. And, um, you know, I helped him. So he paid me pretty well. Like, you know, not like he would like a full helper, but um, right, right. eventually, <laughs> sure. you know, eventually I was a full helper when I got out of college and I couldn't like figure out what the hell was going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up going back and working for him again. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the reason I kind of drill into that is because I, I think that electrical interest in regards to like working with your hands and, you know, that definitely not only can help from a sort of electrical guitar perspective, but just that interest in, you know, whatever, video games and programming and all that stuff kind of flows in together where you could see the uh, through line as far as the interest is concerned. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of weird how like the dots connect, like when, when, like in my life, when you kind of lay them all out, because um, right now I'm, I'm a broadcast engineer, like that's my profession. Mm -hmm. And um, like I've done, I've worked on two Olympics, I've done like some a lot of uh, NHL and um, NBA and WWE and like all this other stuff. And it's all like, it's all signal flow and it's, yeah. all, it's either power or it's video or audio, you know? So it's the stuff that I learned with him, you know, when, when I'm dealing with like 200, 400 amp services going to broadcast trucks, like I know not to kill myself and I know 
like how these power supplies work and how to solder and like all this stuff that I learned from him. So it was like all really useful, you know, even if it were like, it's, you know, he's working on residential stuff, but it's all in theory the same, you know? Right. The core principles are there and that, and essentially you're, that's exactly what you're doing, you know, with your art as well. You're, <laughs> you're connecting one thing and then broadcasting. Oh, it I to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, maybe that not, physically but yeah you're right totally totally and so like you said music was always a really big component of uh, your parents life and clearly that love spoiled you know boiled over to you where did the uh i guess introduction of a more you know your music for lack of a better term the more independent minded stuff that wasn't either presented by your parents or you heard in the radio how did you start to i guess discover that so my dad he was pretty into um so he loved w uh what was it um uh man wbcn at the time like in the okay. 90s and it was a big boston rock station and he um he was just into allison chains and he was into stone temple pilots and collective soul and like all that um grunge stuff at the time and then i was into it i liked it all he had the green day out like he had dookie he had he he had it all and he loved all the old stuff from like the 70s and 80s so I was like kind of keeping up with the rock stuff, but the, the, the point of no return was he bought reload because the unforgiven was on the radio like sure. unforgiven to or whatever, or memory remains one of those songs. And I was like, this is sick. This is heavy. You know, like, what is this? Cause like crocodile rock was the heaviest song I had ever heard before that. Or like maybe some Alice in Chains, but, um, yeah, so I, I heard that, and then on the way home from one of our work, you know, days, we went to Newberry Comics, which is a record store in the Boston area, and I went to the Metallica section, and I picked out Ride the Lightning. I was like, I want this one. This is what I want today. And I had no fucking idea what I was getting into. It was, I wasn't ready for it, because Fight Fire with Fire comes in, and it's the fastest thing I've ever heard. And I, I, I couldn't even comprehend it. I was like, these aren't even notes. Like, what is happening? And it, like, changed everything from then out. And then I started seeking out more of that. That's, that's I love that idea, especially when you're talking about the, like, something that you're not ready for. <laughs> like, you, you oh, really try. Not even close. Yeah. You, you, it's like you try to wrap your head around it. And you're like, there's something that attracts me to this, but I can't, you know, my child brain can't process it or articulate it, but there's something that keeps me returning to it. There's a few, like, so that was one of them. The Locust was one of them and Dillinger's Calculating Infinity. Those three records I bought, I bought and I was just was like, what, what is this? I remember going to FYE when they let you like scan things. Sure. And uh, listen to previews for like almost two or three weeks. Every time, like I, I went to that store, I would scan the calculating infinity thing, and I was just like, "Do I want this? What the fuck is this?" Totally. And I kept going, and I never like it took a few times, but I was like, "What am I listening to?" You know, I never heard anything like it. Um. So yeah, yeah. that that was such a huge moment. That Metallica, um, yeah. Metallica We're like, it. yeah, the heavy, the he- the heavy music started to infiltrate, and I really, I, I 
I love stacking all of those up together, like Locus calculating the infinity, because all of those things, especially as you're developing your musical language, you are always looking for something, you know, a little bit more extreme or pushing the boundaries because you don't know what your like limits are. And when you when it does tickle your brain and you're like, actually, you know what? Yes, I would like this played faster and like the most off time thing possible, please. Yeah, it was I. Yeah. And I kept like finding new things that were just pushing my limits. And I, you know, I, that was a huge jump, by the way, between that Metallica record and oh, sure, Calculated sure. Infinity. But, um, but yeah, I got, I, I think I got, so I bought Ride the Lightning when, so it was 98. So yeah, the Calculating Infinity was 2001, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I got Miss Machine the day it came out. I went and I, I made sure I was there. Um, sure but yeah it was yeah go ahead and how you know i know it's okay i was just gonna say and how were you sharing this with your um you know your friends as far as like discovering more bands that were along that line or were you just kind of doing like you were talking about you know going to fye and just you know sampling music like that and you know maybe downloading an mp3 for you know off limewire for seven hours or whatever yeah it was a little of both because i so casey and i were always like we were matched up for a long time and then um so we would both find things and give it to each other and then we would shove it down our friends throats um we were never cool well let me take that back i was never cool casey was cool there was a time in high school where we both kind of split apart and that was uh like maybe um, like junior year and then a couple of years into our college years where we didn't really talk anymore. He went to a different group of friends. He was really into like, um, I'm just going to name some bands, um, like Cursive and um, Chiodos and like that type of stuff. Like that's, he really liked that stuff. And I never really got into it that much, the, the, the emo. I got more into that later. Um, which is kind of funny. It was like, I was too cool for it at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, and there's a lot of it that I actually went back to and I enjoyed later on, but I was really into Dillinger. I was really into like Unearth and, um, like even like the early hate breed stuff. I really loved like perseverance was like a really big turning point for me. Um, and comeback hit and like, I was, I liked metal you know sure and sure not a lot of the the emo stuff i like metalcore and dillinger was like my favorite band and um st- like uh, between the baron and me you know like yeah so we right. sort of dive like we took two divergent paths in our life there and then we rekindled that later yeah well yeah and especially once you start to see the through line in these bands that yes even though they're playing widely different styles of music they all come from the you know small sweaty rooms and have just done slightly different things and that you end up in the same sweaty rooms (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm i forgot one like huge thing casey both casey and i are huge punk fans like enormous like socal fat records like all of that um like that era punk stuff both of us are just so into that pulley no effects lag wagon um teenage bottle rocket like all all that stuff so we've both been like that is our um that's the line that we both hold perfectly together and then he goes the other way 
to like against me and then goes into that cursive stuff and kind of kind of goes more into the rock and um he really likes um uh what is it like what is it tiger no see i don't even know sure yes yeah yeah yeah. he likes them and he likes um like some of that stuff and then i go into um like florida death metal you right, know, so yeah. he's not really into DSI and Morbid Angel and stuff like that. So <laughs> right. that's sort of where we, you know, those are our separate lands that we're both happy. You know, I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you you yeah. both occupy, you know, individual spaces, but then you can bring it together to be like, oh, yes, of course, we both like strung out. So that's the exactly. common exactly. Right. Exactly. And so your trajectory, like you mentioned, you went to uh, UMass for recording and stuff like that. And you were trying to figure out what, you know, how that could apply uh, to, you know, figuring out a career and stuff like that. And I'm going to guess, like, especially from your earlier band, there was no idea that you would, you know, play music full time from a, you know, touring band perspective. Um, So what kind of, was it the idea that you wanted to, you know, record and figure out the sort of technical aspects of documenting music? Is that was kind of the idea in going to you? Yeah, kind of. It was more of um, the, the odds of me being in a band and like making any sort of living. It was very low. And I understood this. So I wanted to put myself in a place where if I couldn't do that, at least I could make a living um doing something within music you know so i thought going to school for sound recording like that would be a good way of you know putting myself in a position where i'll have like technical skills where i can make money in some way you know and still learn to play an instrument and get better at my craft and and do all that stuff so that was uh, i the little bit of foresight that i had at the time worked out pretty well you know (laughs) so sure Sure. And, um, your, your first, the, the first band that you were playing, uh, together with, with Casey, was that uh, like in high school or was that in uh, college? When did that kind of come together? We've been in bands. So our first band we made in was like the middle school. And then that one stayed around till high school. And then we both sort of split up and then over, we started talking to each other, um, again, like, in 2000 what eight or nine and then we we were sending stuff back and forth and he was living in seattle um and we were sending ideas back and forth for like this like new band and he was moving back soon and we were getting all excited about it and i was playing drums and he was playing guitar and we made that band headfield and headfield which we brought into college like that was our college band and it was fucking so fun. It was like Dillinger, Coheed, Troy, everything that we loved. You know, it was very similar to Asteroid in terms of like just everything we loved, we shoved into one like little band, you know. Sure. And um, Asteroid is actually the result of that um, from the other end of things. It's just we put all of this chaos into Hetfield and Hetfield and we were playing like we were getting wasted. We were playing these like um, basements in college, and people were going crazy. And they were like throwing vegetables on the ground and like onions and shit. And it was awful, but it was so fun. And Astronoid was like the opposite of that. Of like, all right, I want to make something a little more focused, something more simple, something more melodic oriented, rather than technical. Like, how fast can we play? Like, because right. that's what 
Hetfield and Hatfield was. How fast can we play? And it was awesome. You know, right. but I can't do that anymore. So I'm happy it's over. <laughs> right, right. Well, and there is that weird scratch that you itch when you're younger to be like, you know, how, uh, you know, how, how offensive can I be? Like, you, you know, like, yeah, it, it, not necessarily you're like trying to bum people out, but there's an element of that where it's just like, dude, you're not going to get how fast we're playing. Ever. Well, that's, well, we, that's exactly what we were thinking. Like, not like offensive in that way, but how musically offensive can we be? You know, <laughs> totally. it, it, it's and not like, not to the point of like, we weren't, it was sort of lightning bolt like, but not like that. It wasn't as, um, like dirty and you know how he like shoves the fucking mic in in, in his yes, mouth we yes. didn't do that we weren't that far but like right, lightning like... bolt was huge at the time and same with the russian circles and um oh what's the band with the dude from oh man zach hill's a drummer uh i don't know well daughters no. there is uh, it yeah, was no. like it starts with an h and i'm not gonna remember it anyways there okay. zach hill's band was a it was really cool then. <laughs> got it, got it. And um, so it was like stuff like that was popular. And like I said, Fall Touring, number 12, Dillinger, Coheed. So like we threw it all in a pile and that was it. And we had a great time. And Dan played bass in that. That's where we met Dan. We met him in uh, college. Oh, this after a quick Google. Yeah, Hella. Hella. There you yep, go. yep, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, there, it, it is interesting that that uh, that particular scene traveled adjacent to a lot of other bands like you talked about Lightning Bolt and that whole sort of, you know, art school really pushing the envelope, you know, Arab on radar, like you said, you know, Locust, all of that stuff yep. was in this interesting milieu of like we are, you know, we're not metal, we're not soloing, but we are really technically proficient. And yeah. It's so hard to, I mean, especially with what you're talking about, or just like, hey, we want to like contain all of this stuff within one band. And I'm sure people looked at you like you had a third head where it's just like, what are you guys doing? This doesn't make any sense together at all. Yeah, but it, it was exactly that. But I, like we, we, they loved it. Like right. in, in college, we were like, we would say we were playing a show at tomorrow night and they were, the place would be full. Like it was awesome, you know, and. It was, yeah. We were just a fun band and we didn't give a fuck, but we absolutely did at the same time, you know? Like, yep. was, no, yeah. it's really, it's really yeah, cool. We art school losers that were just, uh, yeah, <laughs> right, I don't know, out. drink an entire thing of Guinness before we play. Like, and like there was one show we played in an art gallery and we drank a whole case of Guinness before we went on. Like, and then I think we just played Green Day and Blink-182 covers, <laughs> like really bad. Yeah, it was a great. Oh, it's great. Yeah, exactly what people signed up for. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they loved it. Totally, totally. Something that I was going to talk about a little bit later, but I think is um, it, there is not one piece of press about Asteroid pretty much since the beginning that doesn't make mention of the fact that you are creating "quote unquote" happy music. And it's, people are so, uh, you know, baffled. And that's like a real entry point for people to be like, yeah, it's like metal, but it's happy. And um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, which is cool. It's cool that people notice that. But, you know, I, I do find it, uh, I guess, interesting, the idea that you can't combine these two disparate things like you're, you know, like you were talking about originally, where it's just like, if you listen to Mew and listen to Asteroid, like you can clearly see what you are, you know, doing. The inspiration comes from um 
I guess is it kind of funny for you to hear that reflected back to you where it's just like, you know, Brett, why is your music so happy? Like, <laughs> how does that, how does that make think, you feel? I think it's funny because a lot of the time it, I feel like it's horribly depressing. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, and, and not horribly depressing. I'm being a little overdramatic, but it's like a lot of the stuff I'm singing about are like, like, it's just my neuroses on like recorded. Like you're hearing me just like everything I sing about and all my lyrics and like all of the music is just like stuff I need to get out. And it, I write music in a way I think that like sounds hopeful and sounds euphoric and sounds like really, you know, just like it's happy, but like, I am a happy guy. Like it's astronaut, I think is like a perfect representation of like what you see is what you get. You know, it's like, I don't think anyone's going to come up to me and be like, wow, I can't believe he writes that. You know, I think it's right. I wear my heart on my sleeve with this band. It's like, this is, this is it, you know? And, um, it's a direct reflection to me. So, but like, yeah, I'm an anxious, nervous wreck, but I'm in a good mood and uh, I can deal with it. And I'm happy, you know, I, right. I'm I'm all good. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah. I I do think that, I mean, that's, I think that's cool of you to express it that way. Cause I think that there is this real uh, understanding of what people are projecting in their art, that it has to um, either completely match their emotions you know, not only to a T, but that's like who they are. They, they're calcified where it's like, oh yes, because Brett plays this, you know, metal mixed with melody. It's like, yeah, you're happy all the time, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, that's not, that's not true at all. And yeah. And well, a lot of the times people are misinterpreting the lyrics too, and which is fine. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I'm not telling them how to interpret my songs and anything like that, but you know, it's it's, it's mo- mainly the like the naysayers are like oh this is a breakup song it's like dude you have problems if you think this is a breakup song like you, maybe you should look at yourself because what you're reading in this is a breakup song and they're the lyrics are pretty vague so you know maybe you should take a look inward on this one you know <laughs> so but but i like that i like that about music and i like that about um lyrics and when i read lyrics i don't want it spelled out for me of like how i should feel listening to it so i try to do that with my lyrics of like you know i I think on the new record i i kind of have things a little more spelled out but it's just sort of the circumstances um of which they were written you know they they were like that but i you know i i like that i like when people like can interpret um you know meaning from lyrics so yeah, right. I get some shit for that sometimes, but I don't care. And I didn't stop. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Uh, something I also wanted to pick your brain on was the idea of, you know, being technical for technical sake. And a, a lot of the music that we've been talking about clearly it fits that to a T. And then there's also that idea of, you know, I mean, a lot of bands that are in the sort of, you know, progressive metal category kind of get made fun of because it's just like, you know, whatever robotic music that's just like oh look at me i'm you know i'm playing guitar really cool and i'm putting all these crazy time signatures on it i i'm sure that there is a a thought process that you go through in regards to i can't remove the emotion that i am feeling in order to just like be technical how do you i guess kind of think about music in in those terms or does anything i'm saying uh resonate with you from that perspective yeah it's it's kind of, I have like, all right, for example, like I'll try to write something technical and usually it gets put on the chopping block. Uh Like as soon as I try to do something, it seems I fail. Sure. Um, It's not until I just sort of let go and um, just sort of let whatever's happening happen. You know, that that's when I kind of get the good stuff. Um, And that was a a pretty big problem over the past few years writing for this album. Um, There was just a lot of stuff I was trying to do and expectations that I thought um, I had to meet. And, you know, I, I feel like I said the exact same thing for the last record, but I'm going to, I'll probably say the same thing after every album, but I, uh, I just, I feel like that. I just said, fuck it on this one, you know? And, um, I like this time I really didn't care rather than astronaut like self-titled. So um, yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes to let go of that because sometimes it, I had a couple of tracks that were like pretty cool and really technical, but then you're like, you try to put vocals over it and you're like, what the fuck am I going to do here? You know, like am <laughs> totally. I gonna rap over this, you know? And that's like a lot of these bands are instrumental for a reason. Cause like you want to listen to the music and astronauts are very vocal centric band and, it needs to be kind of at the forefront. Right, right. Yeah, that's, and I I do think that people can initially be attracted to Astronoid for, you know, one thing or the other, whether it's, you know, the music or the vocals being so prominent, but, you know, being able to actually have an emotional output without just sounding like a bunch of robots doing robotic things, like that's that's where I think the, the line can sometimes be blurred because people either, you know, people that are creating the art either focus on one or the other and don't try to blend the two. I mean, that's a hard thing to blend, but you know, it's something that should at least put some conscious thought into it. 
Yeah, it it kind of warms my heart that we're still considered like a progressive metal band because you could easily just sweep our like music under the rug, you know, and just focus on um, melody, you know. Uh, but I think we have some pretty cool stuff happening in sure. the background, and um, you know, we're all I I, uh, I won't speak for myself, but everyone else in the band are amazing players, and you know, <laughs> if, if anything, I think they're underrated because of um, the band itself, you know? Sure. Sure. The, uh, so once you started to tour more actively, you know, with Astronoid, cause I mean, I know that you obviously played, you know, regional shows with your previous bands and stuff like that. But once you started to experience, you know, quote unquote life on the road, how was your relationship with it? Um, because not only were you getting out there out you know, front as a front person singing and playing guitar and stuff like that. Uh, was it difficult for you to make that transition? Was it uh, easy and fun? Where did you kind of land there? It was difficult and fun. <laughs> That's a good, um, uh, I like that. It was, I loved, I love being on the road and I hate it. It is a lot, you know, it's, I love playing every night. I love being with the guys. Um, I love the challenge of like what you need to do and to take, like, I love the setup. I love planning everything. It's, it's as much as I hate it at the same time. So it's a very love hate relationship, which I'm sure most musicians um, will agree. But um, the very first tours we were doing, I had a really hard time um, singing every night and I am a drummer first and then a guitar player and then a vocalist. So, right. I was not a vocalist on purpose. It was like this band started in my dorm room doing uh, like writing two songs for Dan's school project. Like that's what the songs were written for. You know, I had, well, I had one song already done for fun and I wrote this other one like, and that ended up being November. So now that this sort of like snowballed into this circumstance where I'm singing like on tour, like I did not expect. And it was tough to like figure out my routine. And I still feel like I don't really have like fully have it down. Um, even like it's been five years or however long it's been. So it's been tough. And st- like we were sleeping in the, in the van and we were like not getting any hotels. And it was like six or seven of us sleeping in the van. And it was a lot and it sucked. And but it was amazing that we got to play with some of the bands we were playing and doing what we did. And like, and then the first few years, like playing with our favorite bands of all time, like between the bear to me and ghost. And like, it was, it was incredible. So I can't, right. you know, it's, <laughs> it was yeah. a lot, right. It was a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is what we had to do to do it. So we did it, you know? Yep. No, I told, that makes sense. And, and I know kind of part, of that process. Um, and I'm not trying to pick at, uh, scabs from a business perspective. I know that, you know, when you guys started to work with, uh, you know, your uh, initial record label, I know that there was difficulties in navigating that because, you know, when you signed, like you were just excited probably for someone to pay attention to you and like put out a record and you're like, wow, this is weird. And then once it started to get more serious, then you had to kind of figure that out. Did you, I guess, did you like the business of, you know, kind of, doing a band or is that something that you prefer to keep kind of at arm's length, not because you're disinterested, but just because that's not something that really interests you. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm fully invested in the business of the band. Um, 
I'm talking to our man. I'm, well, you know, Wayne, I'm talking to Wayne yeah. all the time. And um, I do all the bookkeeping and all of our finances. And um, I like to save money personally. And I like to save money in the band. <laughs> so that sure. class is over. So if I'm in charge of, you know, the band and our money and like where it goes and how we can save and um, do all this, like it, it's, it's fun. And it, I hope that it makes it so that we can have returns faster. So um, ever since like it started snowballing, I took this really seriously and we started the LLC right away. And I looked into taxes and how all that works. And um, so my wife and I are like overly um, cautious sometimes. And this is self-admitted. We both know. And then like sometimes we, it's almost worse that we're both around each other because it'll just perpetual snowball. And we need someone to be like, that's enough. You know, right. just like mixing the record. Dan needs to be like, Brett, it's done. And I'm like, okay. right. Yeah. But I need to fix this one last thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Move yeah. on. But no, I can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. right. So um, I, I do like the business aspect of things. And, um, you know, some people don't and that's fine. And they have, um, you know, kind of trusted me with it, you know, and, um, you know, I do a lot of it and the guys help me out when they can, but, uh, you know, I just kind of, I ask them for help when I need it and they help me. So it's good, you know? Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's cool because it, it does. I mean, everybody needs to fill a role in a band and like, you know, when you got too many cooks in the kitchen, like everybody cares about the business and no one cares about the music or <laughs> it's like things fall yeah. apart pretty quickly. Yep. The, um, the two last things I want to hit on one of them being, you know, perfectionism, kind of like what you're talking about. You can sit there because I know um, just from, you know, an- anecdotal stories that I know uh, about you as a human of just like, you know, the idea that you can get, and it, again, this is not shots at you specifically, but just like you can get really wrapped up in a project and never be able to like actually get it released or see the forest from the trees, whatever saying you want. How, you know, how have you kind of trained to, yourself to let go a little bit of that to understand that you know you need to hear their voices and they need to bring you out of you know whatever rabbit hole you're in um or is that just like a constant refrain that you have to keep in your own brain how does that i guess all transpire with you well with astronaut it's nice to have wayne because he keeps me excuse me on track (laughs) sure sure um he gives me deadlines and i work well with deadlines and i am you know i'm I'm an engineer and I'm a drummer and I like time and I like things to be neat and I like structure, you know, it helps me even though I won't impose it on myself a lot of times, you know? So Wayne is, is really, um, he helps me out with that, with the band and he gives me like, all right, we got to get the record out by X. We need these songs done by Y, you know, whatever. But with my, my own stuff, like I've had this project sitting done pretty much in my folder here for like a couple of years. And there's another project I did with Dan that like is sitting in the folder waiting for base, you know, just like I, with other stuff, like astronaut is my first priority and like that, you know, it, it, it's what it is. So everything else falls on the wayside, but I did manage to get something out last year, which was the Catan album with the guy from Vatnet, which I was very happy with. And, um, we got that out and that came out on prosthetic and I was very happy with it. 
So, and that was a completely different offshoot, like really fun thing where he wrote all of music. I like basically just produced it, did the engineering and wrote drums. Like it was awesome. I didn't really have to do, you know, the heavy lifting of writing and it was refreshing. Um, but yeah, it's tough to like, whenever, like, I think I said this earlier, but like when I'm, when I try to do something, I can't do it. Like if I sit and try to write an asteroid song, like it's not going to happen. Like I just need to just sit and just want to write and have it flow. So yeah, see what comes out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough for me to focus and especially with, well, maybe not tough for me to focus. It's tough for me to release it and be done with it. And with this last record, it just kind of came together really quickly at the end. Um, I kind of struck a chord and I was like, this is what I've been looking for. And then over a course of like two months, the record was written. So it was done. And I sent it to everybody and they were like, yes, this is it. And, um, (laughs) Then we just re-recorded it. Like it was very, very easy, you know, to do it all sure. this time. And uh, I do my like my demos are like they're very flushed out. So it was literally just doing it for real and then being done with it. And I am very um, going back to the perfectionist thing. Like this is the part, you know. <laughs> this is not a lot of right, there's not sometimes. A- yeah. No, like I, I like Dan. Dan gets the most leeway because he like, I'm not going to, I'm not a bass player. I hear, I understand what I don't know. Like, you know, like what you said earlier, I'm not a bass player. I I can't write keyboards. So Dan does that. I'm a drummer first. So Matt's fucked. You know, it's, it's, it's right, right, right out of the gate. Matt's fucked because the drums and the guitars and the melodies are like intertwined from the get go. Like that is, those are my babies. So when Matt, when I bring Matt into this, I'm like, dude, this is, this is it, you know? (laughs) Yep. And he, he, he can like sneak some things past the goalie, but you know, besides that, oh, that was a pretty nice little hockey pun there. I Um, know. Yeah. yeah, You can see. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's very, very apropos. Yes. So, (laughs) so he, I feel bad sometimes, but he does wonderfully with it. And, he did a couple fills on this last record that are just like absolutely bonkers. And he has also some really great ideas that come through. So, you know, everyone sort of has their thing. And also I can't play a guitar nearly as well as Casey. So he takes the solos and I think he crushed it on this record. So, um, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. You know, I, don't you know. Know. I just kind of went off there. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Well, you, you, I mean, you're articulating the places that you know where it's like, oh yeah, like I can, you know, the, the the reins can be loosened here in a positive way. Yes, and Matt and I are working on that because he is an extremely creative drummer, and he was one of the, he he was like on the initial Vatnet, like the EP, like he did so much of that, and he's such a creative player. So it's you know I understand why are there like where there can be frustration with working with me and i am not the easiest to work with sometimes i understand that so i try to keep that in consideration when i'm you know when we're working on these records and stuff like that sure we can all we can all agree you're the worst we'll just put that out there okay cool yes (laughs) i'm only kidding (laughs) um 
and Kat, I, I did say two last things a minute ago, but I, I promise these are the two last things. When you it's started, okay. <laughs> when you started to, you know, really be involved in the, I guess the, you know, the band, the music industry side of things, and were pursuing that, you know, more heavily from a touring experience, you know, how were your parents kind of reacting to a less than practical, you know, life decision of pursuing the band and uh you know were they like brett like i mean okay i guess he could tour but like that doesn't you know that's not going to pay the bills or whatever uh how, how are they reacting to your you know your pursuit of that yeah so they they never really said anything okay they never gave me any pushback and but i knew that they were reluctant of what i was doing because i was in new york and i was working for the like the Mets home show and I was making good money and I had just moved there with um you know my wife who was my girlfriend at the time and then air came out in what June and mm. then I gave my notice in July because of how much like how many managers and booking agents and press the record was getting and my wife was like you need to do this and just see it through and I quit my job. We moved into her parents' basement and we lived there for a year. And then I started figuring out like all the touring that we were about to do. She was starting to um, do some freelance work. And then we built our life basically from there. Um, and I built up a freelance um, broadcasting little business that I do. And then now she, she does a bunch of really cool stuff. You know, and in the same thing, she's also in the broadcast engineering and just engineering in general. So I think my parents just sort of like saw where it was going in terms of like, he'll make it work, you know, because they never specifically said anything. But um, right. yeah, it was a it was a really bad decision in terms of, uh, you know, what you should do. You shouldn't leave. You're a really well-paying job, you know, in New York City and just like move into a basement in New Hampshire and right or in your in your tiny little band that nobody knows. Sure, so. sure. I really like when people are able to rally around the idea like, okay, I know I'll be able to cobble together a living by doing these, you know, four or five things that, you know, could equal to a quote unquote real life salary or whatever. But at the core of it, I want to keep focusing on the band because it not only does it feel like it has momentum, Hello? but can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Hello. Hey, can you hear me? You oh, okay. Uh, no, I was just saying that. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Hello? 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 Am I back? Hello? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Yeah, I was just saying that I, I think it was interesting that you were basically just building your life around the band and then, you know, supplementing it with uh, all of the other things that you could do. But at the core, at the core of it, it was just like, I need to be free to be able to pursue the band. That's the most important thing. Yeah, that's everyone had to do it. And it was, you know, it was a choice we all had to make at that time. And unfortunately, at that time, Matt couldn't do it. So he was not in the band for a while. It he, it actually worked out for him kind of because when the second record came out, he was back. But those first, I think, three years, he was not touring with us because he he couldn't stop working. Like the right. way that his life was 
um, happening, he couldn't leave his job and afford to do what we were doing. And we were like, dude, do what you need to do. We'll get someone to fill in. And we had Seamus um, from VetNet fill in. And he did an amazing job during that time. But, you know, Matt, a few years later, was able to come back. And, like, he was, you know, our original drummer. And, you know, Seamus did a great job. But that's what we, you know, the door was open for Matt. And uh, when he was able to do it, he came back in, you know. So um, it was really tough. And everyone since has come up with this solution of doing it like we all have jobs now that we can sort of come and go you know and it was really hard it was like up until two years ago we figured it out you know so it took a while to build but we did it sure right yeah because you were like you said just kind of focused on trying to make this work however you were able to you know slice and dice it it's like let's let's focus on this guys yeah and and you know we had partners you know, those of us who had girlfriends or significant others, like we, like they had to be on board too, you know, and that's a big part of it. Um, Matt was married and Dan was, I think he just, he got married right around when self-titled came out and I got married to, oh man, I don't know, 2020. So, you know, we all were in it, like in relationships too. And that was a whole thing too, you know, of, of they needed to be involved and Luckily, my wife is the most supportive person in the world and just wants this to, you know, she wants me to do this just as much as I do. And it would, you know, be very upsetting if I had to give it up, you know, because she, she really sees the value in music that I do. And especially, you know, what, like my music and what I'm trying to do. The last thing I want to hit on was, um, you know, the the fact that you have built your life around this band and, you, you know, you're cup putting all these pieces together in order to make the band work is it like what what still keeps you i guess connected to this you know artistic pursuit because obviously as people get older there are so many different you know responsibilities that come in and all of the other quote-unquote real life pressures um but what keeps you wanting to be creative and kind of keep this at the center that's a really good question (laughs) because a lot of it is just misery (laughs) <laughs> no you know, it's, it's, totally i don't know i i love creating like i i just love doing it and i i feel like until i like no longer have anything to say i i'll keep doing it um i love pushing myself and i love getting better at my instrument and um you know it's a release for me and i consume so much music all the time i'm always listening and um I just always have that need to, I guess, kind of in a horrible word, regurgitate, you know, what I take in. And because you, you talked about the meat grinder earlier, but that's sort of what, like what happens is like, I take all this stuff in and I'm like, I gain inspiration and I just need to, to do it myself. And, um, you know, I think that the, the machine of the band also helps with keeping me going at this point because we have the manager and we have touring and we have all this stuff. Um, but over the lockdown, that wasn't the case, you know, it's like we needed to get a record done, but like nothing was happening. So, but I kept doing it. So it's a very good question of like why I keep doing it, but I just love it. And it's kind of like the one constant through my whole life of like, I've always written music and, um, I've always played and it's sort of the connecting tissue 
to everything. You know, I couldn't imagine stopping. Um, and I've talked about it like with my wife many times of just like, you know, if, if asteroid were to be over, like it would be really cool um, of like what we did, what we've done. And I'd be really happy with it, but I would keep, I would move on to something new. Like I'd move on to something else. And, you know, I, I have plans for other things now and if they'll ever come out, you know, who knows? Sure, <laughs> As we talked yeah. about earlier, you know, but, um, I have all these grandiose ideas in my head of like what I want to do and what I want to try. So, but luckily astronaut is like this empty canvas of like whatever I can, whatever I want, you know? So like with the new record, like we j- I just sort of did whatever I wanted. And I think it is our best album in terms of, you know, um, the mix of air and self-titled and the aggression and that beauty and all that. So um, as long as I get to keep doing whatever I want to do and no one's really telling me what asteroid needs to be, then like I will be, I will continue to do it. And if not, I'll just go do something else. Like it will never end. Right. It's just, yeah, it's that, that evolution of like, well, on to the next thing, because I, I do think that there is that, you know, that, that value of what you're talking about of being able to be creative and put something out there that you don't know, you know, how other people will react to. And that, that there's always that exciting element of just like, well, here, here it goes. Like, you know, let's see what people think about it. If they, they think it sucks, then okay, I, I message received, but I'm still going to be doing what I deem valuable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's not even like, I, I'd love to see what other people have to say, but it's mainly this just getting it out. And, um, I, I love to do it. You know, it's, it's like, even if it just went into a vacuum, like I'm glad, like even the things that I have sitting in my box, like in my, on my hard drive, I'm, I love it and I'm happy I did it, you know? And if it never comes out, then whatever. But I like listening to it sometimes, you know? Right. <laughs> like, I think it's pretty cool. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I write music I like. Like, you know, it's usually what happens is when I'm working on an album and when I'm writing, like, I'll listen to it, like, constantly. And then as soon as it comes out, I'll never listen to it again. It's very odd. Like, I've the amount of times I've listened to air and self-titled once they come out are just like, you know, almost non-existent. But up until the date of release, like I listen to it probably every day, just like being like, uh, what's, is it okay? Almost, you know, like, is it okay to put out? Like, is it, is there a click or a pop anywhere that I missed? Or, you know, is, is the guitar solo too loud or, you know, and that goes into, you know, Dan and I's uh, mixing and recording of everything ourselves. Like, it'd be nice to just hand it off to somebody else, but we like doing it. And I think it's right. a part of our identity at this point. Sure. Yeah. It's a part of your process where it's like if you relinquish, you know, you can relinquish elements of it and you can have maybe someone, you know, like obviously do mixing and all that stuff, but, you know, putting together everything else, you're like, no, this is like, this is the way that we like to do it. Yeah, there's a little magic there. Like we're lucky we're able to do it ourselves. You know, from the business perspective, we save a lot of money. And I don't think we lose any quality doing it ourselves. You know, that's one of the benefits of going to school for sound recording. Um, Yeah, absolutely. We we invested in the band without knowing it. (laughs) Totally. Cashing in those skills for real life applications, you know, your your dumb band. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's some, I think it'll come out someday, but there's some really strange stuff that 
we have done together that I would like to put out. So that's fun. That's Maybe fun. Someday. Well, someday. Exactly. Yep. Well, but thank you so much for hanging out. I really appreciate you letting me ping pong around your brain, but uh, yeah, excited to, uh, to share this to the world. So thanks for coming on, man. No, thank you. Thank you very much for spending the time with me and Brett talking about his band and just, you know, life in general. So thank you also to his publicist, Monica, for bringing the idea to my attention and, uh, yeah, making this all work. So next week I have Gibby Miller from Dias Records, and he also played in Panic and The Trouble. He is a, uh, you know, a very foundational piece in a lot of the uh, independent music scene. I mean, the Dias as a record label has been existing for 15 plus years, really documents some interesting music from across the spectrum, whether it's like, you know, new wave, dark wave, that sort of stuff, really experimental bands. And I just, uh, I love what he does. And I loved Panic when they were around. I never got the chance to see them, but um, yeah, I was able to uh, pick his brain about that, about social networks, because he started Makeout Club. For those of you that existed in the 90s and early 2000s, Makeout Club was just like, you know, it predated social media. It was wild. So anyways, that's what I got next week. And until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.